Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hey guys, welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Stav. It's Will. And it's Griff. And today we have Eastern and Western Conference playoffs for the NBA. We have, oh wow, I butchered that. Eastern and Western Conference playoffs. Nice. The Eastern and Western Conference playoffs. <laughs> wow. Wow. I think okay. it's because I typed Eastern instead of Eastern. All right. Restart. Ready? Three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome back to Inside the Five. It's Stav. It's Will. And it's Griff. And today we have the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We have obviously the Celtics and the Heat. And then on the other side, we have the Mavs and the Warriors. We have some MLB talk. The Red Sox don't don't panic now, but they're okay. Um, and I'm excited, boys. Let's first episode in a little bit. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, everyone. Welcome back. It is a week since we've recorded last. Um, we are all officially on summer break, so we're now on our little summer schedule for Inside the Five. But in this last week, we have seen a lot of things go down in the NBA. We are now in the conference pl- finals, the conference finals, and our beloved Boston Celtics are right there playing the Miami Heat. Game one was last night at the night of this recording, meaning Wednesday, thir- Tuesday, Tuesday. It was on Tuesday night. Uh, we're up against the Miami Heat. As I said, we lost game one. Um, no Al Horford, no Marcus Smart. Stav, I guess I'll get things started off with you. Was the fact that we were missing two of our starters and only lost by nine, like, does that make you feel a little less scared against the Heat, or are, are we still nervous? Are the Heat really going to be this legit throughout this whole series? Well, I just think it's going to be a physical series, regardless if Smart and Horford are there or not. It becomes more physical with Smart. However, I think we shouldn't panic because we lose game one in a hypothetical game where we should have lost. We beat them in every single quarter besides that atrocious third quarter. So it's like, I was talking to my dad about this before. If the Celtics literally had half the turnovers that they did in the third and like maybe hit one or two more shots, we probably win that game. Like we're going to get Marcus Smart back most likely for game two. Al Horford's doubtful, but we saw it with Charlie McAvoy and the Bruins. He randomly just could come back without saying anything. So 
I think even just the addition of Marcus Smart to this team right now is absolutely huge because we are running a seven-man rotate. I mean, an eight-man with Aaron Neesmith, who isn't really a guy you want to be getting significant minutes. So with the addition of Smart coming back, I think the Celtics will be a lot better off. I don't want to say they'll win game two, but they should be in a great position to win that game. I agree. And I feel like last night looking at how we came in without obviously Smart and Horford, it was a big deal for us. And to only lose by nine is honestly amazing because like in, in hindsight, we play seven games. Now we have Smart back. We should be ready to, we should be ready to roll. We should be able to win this series. Um, Obviously big, like big not having a good third quarter. I think going into the game, we kind of were expecting, hopefully if we win this game, someone needs to like turn up, someone needs to go off for us to even really compete. And it didn't really happen. Like early off the gate, we were up, we were playing well. What were we up? Like 12 at one point, I think. Yeah, we were up 13 in the up thir- uh, second quarter. We were up. We were up 13. At that point, I still wasn't like, I didn't think we were going, I, I didn't think we were going to blow the lead, but I didn't think we were going to, when if we won by that much but it it just came it just came down that way i feel like we have much more to look forward to for the rest of the series and i feel like we should be able to win this yeah i mean not having to out of your five stars in the eastern conference game uh eastern conference final game is very difficult to win obviously and not only that but they're also playing away it's also game one that's a big game um but looking forward to game two i see this as a must-win game and i know it's early in the season or earlier in the series but when you're playing it's the miami heat you need to steal home court and if you don't you're screwed they're 19 to no all time while having a 2-0 series lead and you can look back and be like all right well that's team's um, with LeBron, it's teams with D Wade, with Shaq, like all that. But like they've done it multiple times with Jimmy Butler. They did it in the bubble. I think two of the series they went up 2-0 and they finished the the deal. And I think they did in the first round as well, right? They were up 2-0. Um, this is a team that's very good when they're on top, right? And and going later into series, it, it's so pivotal to try and get as much of an advantage as possible. If we can go out, sneak out, win game two, have a Tatum 30 bomb, and then have Al Horford back for game three, that would be huge. And I'm really expecting Marcus Smart to be back for game two, and I'm expecting Marcus Smart to make a huge... He's um, starting for us. And that goes the same with Grant Williams, in my opinion. I'm not a big fan of him when he's starting for us. He does... Like, I feel like he's so much better off the bench. I don't know if it's the pressure. I don't know what it is. But, Stav, you made a great point. When we have someone like Aaron Neesmith coming out in the game, and I love Peyton Pritchard, but Peyton Pritchard got a lot more minutes than he usually does. You you know we're lacking. And losing this game by nine, it, it, it didn't really feel like nine. I feel like we honestly should have lost this game by more. And it's good that we lost it by nine. And it's it's because of that third quarter. And we've seen not only with the Jason Tatum teams, but do you guys remember back when like it was Isaiah? And I swear we could not put together together a third quarter ever, literally ever. And that's why Isaiah Thomas was uh, Mr. Fourth Quarter, King of the Fourth Quarter, uh, whatever you wanted to call him at the time. But like, I swear it's been a thing for the Celtics since we were like born. That third quarter is just on our thing. We figure out Forever. our fourth and I – in my opinion, we had a pretty good fourth quarter. If we can just put it together for four solid quarters and and, and remain physical and, and keep everything going, I think JT and JP had uh, great games. 
squad, I think we're going to be pretty dangerous. Well, it's not even like... How do I want to say this? I don't want to sit here and absolutely just rank on Aaron Neesmith because he did give some quality minutes, especially defensively. He brought some great energy. Full of blocks. Yeah, he had mm-hmm. a few great blocks, like shots that shouldn't have been blocked. He he met, I think it was Struess at the rim where he got all ball, which I was very impressed with. I thought he was going to foul him. And then he had the chase down block on Old Depot on the third quarter where those are two plays where Aaron Neesmith's like, I was a big rotation guy. Like he would get in for probably like 10, 15 minutes a game earlier in the year. Last year, he was a playoff rotational guy. And then he kind of fell out of the rotation. So he's playing for his, he's playing for his career basically. And he still stinks offensively. He It looks like he has a hitch in his jump shot and he can't shoot. So um, they got it with smart coming back. I think a lot changes. I we will still wonder if Neesmith will get some minutes though. Just because of how certain matchups play out with Miami and the Celtics, where the sometimes the Heat go small, and they'll play like three small guards with Caleb Martin, um, Gabe Vincent, Oladipo, Gabe Vincent, yeah, and mm-hmm. like sometimes Struess out there. Yeah, Struess, like they they play smaller guards, so it's like Neesmith matches up well with an Oladipo, but Pritchard, I mean. Pritchard defensively yesterday was struggling. They were going at him every time they tried to get Jimmy Butler on Pritchard and he'd either shoot, be, get to the line, scored half his points from the line, Jimmy Butler did, or he just hit a mid-range jump shot. So this is kind of, it kind of reminds me of that Milwaukee series, obviously last year, when we would always say, if you lose and play a bad game, you'll be okay because there's always things to improve upon. But the Heat, that's their game. They beat you by nine without two of your three starters or two of your five starters. And they'll say, oh, we don't have Lowry. Well, Smart and Lowry. He hasn't played. Play yeah, he hasn't like, played. Yeah, he hasn't Lowry hasn't played. They, they win like, you can't Lowry. even factor him in. Yeah, they're, they're undefeated without Lowry on that uh, in the playoffs. So it's like our, us missing two starters is significantly worse than them missing Lowry because they have guys who can easily step into that and they still are deep on the bench with Hero coming off the bench and they they still haven't they won't use Duncan Robinson just because of how much of a liability is on defense but I don't want to panic I know the Heat are a very well coached team and they're very grounded it's just the Celtics need to steal home court you steal home court you win the series in six that's the plan but like I can't see them losing at home what do you think Griff? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Garden, we talk about it. It's, I would say, the best home court advantage other than the old Oracle. But, I mean, I'm watching the the San Francisco Warriors play right now, their game one, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, like, that was really the only other comparable stadium was the old Oracle. Now I think it's the Garden on top. And, and the environment of the fans there is just such a different – feeling that like it's kind of hard to lose games there right but we're due for one that's why i think that we need to steal game two just in case the heat find something and they steal game three or four because if they take one in the garden i mean we're screwed and, and the fact that we don't have home court advantage throughout this series is a very big deal and that's why i want to get one out uh in game two just to i mean it, it's like a feeling of security right where 
obviously are going to feel a lot better for your team other than, say, stealing it in game five and then trying to close out in six. I'd rather take it now, win game three and four, and maybe lose game five on the road, come back game six, finish it up in the garden. But this is a very pivotal game, too, and I really think that we need to win. Will, when it comes to game two, obviously we're not going to have um, – or not obviously, but most likely – uh, we're not going to have Al Horford. He's listed as doubtful. Marcus Smart, I'm going to say he's around 85 to 90% a go. Um, with this lineup, Will, g- give me two players that you need to step up, not including Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Well, if you take a look at what we have here, obviously we have Marcus Smart. You said 85, like 80, 85%, possibly 90%. I'm locking him in as 100%. If we have Marcus Smart at all times, he's going to play like he's at 100% because that's the mentality he brings to the floor every single night. Now, not having Al Horford, we have a lot to – we have a lot to lose there because right now he is currently our best player. He's playing out of his mind other than JB and JT. Like they've been fantastic, yeah, yeah. but like, like role player playing out of his mind. Like we can't not factor in Al Horford's presence on the court. Now the heat being smaller of like playing small ball a lot of the time and like the way they play, I feel like we need Rob Will to really step it up. I know it's going to be tough for him to step it up because of, of his knee, but he's saying he's ready. So I expect him to be ready, and I feel like if we expect him to be ready, he needs to be there. Now, Derek White also needs to step it up the way he has, the way he did against the Bucks. I feel like if we have him locked in again, I feel like we're set and ready to go. I feel like only losing I want Al Horford won't be the end of us because we only lost by nine, and we had a horrible third quarter, which we I think that's almost impossible. We got scored in the third repeat. quarter by twenty five. That's but- impossible to repeat. Like, there's no way that that will ever happen again, and. And looking at this series, you, you want to hope we can steal game two and then take both of them at home. I feel like a fair look to have is 2-2, two, two, and we find ourselves in a little bit of a tricky situation. But I'm hoping we go up 3-1. Yeah. Right. And, and a big part of it with missing out on Al Horford, Daniel Tice played a majority of that third quarter. He finished the game, you know, me, big plus minus guy. He finished the game at a minus 16 plus minus, which was the worst on the team. Not by far. Grant Williams was a minus four. Um, he had seven points, right? And he shot two for five, one for two from three. And it's just the fact that um, the Heat saw what he did in game seven. They lock him up. Grant Williams starting is just really – I. I just really don't like to see him starting, right? I just love to see him come off that bench. And he's our sixth man. And, and and it's the same goes for Derek White as well. He only had three points. I just really think that these are two guys that really bring a spark off the bench. And I'm not – this isn't going to be like a complete comparison. But I, I like to think of Grant Williams as a Jordan Poole, right? Obviously, Jordan Poole is a mm-hmm. lot more certified. But Grant Williams comes off the bench and he can give you 20 points, right? And and I really think that there's a big difference between when he is starting and when he comes off the bench. Um, No, I fully agree. And the the one thing before stop before I let you say, I just wanted to say that like a main reason why we fumbled so hard in game one is because of our rotation. I mean, when Grant Williams off the bench, like you said, Griff, he comes in and he starts and he starts lighting up like, okay, we're playing the guy who's hot. Like that's what we need to get to the point at. And I feel like we just, none of us were playing. Like we didn't really play well at all. So we really didn't have anyone to be like, okay, putting the hottest lineup in, 
we need them to go out there, fire on all cylinders, and be there as a collective and play as a team. We just didn't have that in game one. But if we set up our lineup the way where it can be, where we can have a couple of guys who can potentially come off the bench, we can't throw all – we can't run the death lineup to start, basically is what I'm saying. If we're down, guys. We can't run, like, whatever the closest to our death lineup is. We cannot do that to start a game down two of our starters. Um, A thing I really did want to note as well, Celtics were atrocious from the free throw line. I don't know what's wrong yep. with Jalen Brown from the line. It feels like he, like I said this about Aaron Neesmith, it looks like he has a hitch in his free throw. It looks like when he's shooting, he's up, and then he like. He does do yeah. that. You yeah. know what I mean? It looks like he's like hitching at the absolute top. And I'm like, it, it looks like he's thinking a lot at the line. And Jalen Brown is a very talented player. He's our second best player. Probably the third best player in this series. I'll probably say JT, Jimmy Butler, and then Jalen Brown. And then JV, yeah, I'd agree. And I was disappointed with Jalen Brown yesterday, especially from the line. I mean, so we've been saying the Celtics lost by nine. They actually lost by 11 because Jimmy Butler was dying to get 40 points, so he had a garbage time layup at the end. But um, with the Celtics lost by 11. We missed eight free throws. We had how many turnovers did they have? They had... 16 turnovers as a team. So eight missed free throws, 16 turnovers as a team. Like Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. It's just, you can't win when you do that. And the fact we only lost by 11 is something that I don't want to say that they should be happy of because you should never be happy with a loss in the playoffs. But it's like, okay, let's clean this shit up. Let's clean this up and um, move forward. Because you can't look back. You just got to move forward and be like, all right, we're fine. Like, this is easy. Like, I expect Jason Tatum to take what Jimmy Butler did personal. You know, we always talk about Agreed. competitive edge. Jimmy Butler has probably the highest competitive motor in the NBA. I want to say, like, him, Draymond Green, a few other guys. Like, you think of Jimmy Butler when you think of competitiveness. And it looked like Jimmy Butler was out physicaling the Celtics. He took it to them. And a big part of that was he got – it looked like he got in Jason Tatum's head. So now Jason Tatum needs to turn it around and be like, I'm here. Like, you can't do this to me. And another thing I wanted to note before we move on to the Mavericks and the Warriors, the Heat are talking a lot for only being up one nothing. Like, they're going into the press conferences, basically like they already won the series. Bam Adebayo said, I feel like our energy shifted in that third quarter, mocking Jalen Brown. Um, don't poke 10 points and four rebounds. Like, you're Bam Adebayo. 
but you had 10 and 4. Like, calm he down. He had zero paint presence. The Celtics Dwayne had Dwayne, De- Dwayne Dedman played better than him. Yeah. I'm not so even So it's kidding. like, if I'm the Heat, or if I'm Eric Spolstra, I'm telling these guys, like, stop talking as if we won the series. Like, this is a long series. Wait until after the series to start talking because this could very well come back and bite him in the ass. The Celtics lost by 24 game one against the Bucks at home. And we lose by 11 on the road against the Heat after the worst third quarter possible. If I'm the Heat, I'm like, we got a lot to worry about because that's what the Heat play. That's how they play. They can't play any better than that. Like, what else right. can they? Yeah, like, that was, if you, at, I mean, if you look at the Heat, you got 40 out of Jimmy Butler. I mean, Bam out of bio in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, especially, he played very well. Like, defensively, yeah. he had a few great blocks. Um, Struce went off as well. Struce had, I mean, he didn't go off. He had 11, but it all happened at the worst possible time. He had, he had a couple of threes that were just like at bad times for us. Yeah. yeah. Gabe Vincent had, um, he had 17. Tyler Hero off the bench had 18. So it's like, this is what the Heat do. Like, that's what they will do when they win. Like, that's their best possible game, 118 points. You got to look at that if you're the Celtics and be like, we're better than these guys. Like, come on, let's go. Right. And it, and it's not only that, but Stav, I like the point that you brought up about Eric Spolstra. Um, the fact that they're a little cocky and you said Eric Spolstra needs to say something. The thing that we should be nervous about is that he will. Like, he's one of the better coaches, yeah. in my opinion, of all time. Like, he is a, an amazing coach. And, and we've seen him for many years uh, win coach of the year. He's been there, and remember when they got into, like, that altercation, him and Jimmy Butler in the regular season? Since then, they're 16-5. and five. Like, I don't know what has happened, but I think they've bought into Spolstra, just like how we bought into Ime, and they're just riding off him. So I'm, like, out of all things I'm most nervous about, it's not Jimmy Butler shooting 18 free throws, because I think that number's going to go down, and it's not – uh, Gabe Vincent scoring 17 points with a plus minus of plus 23. It's just the fact that Eric Spolstra is one of the smartest coaches out there. And it, this is going to be a coaching battle. And this is going to be Ime's first test, in my opinion. I don't think Budenholzer um, deserves the height that he gets. Um, I think he's a good coach, but he's nowhere close to Spolstra. And, and in terms of Steve Nash, who obviously the Nets head coach who we played in the first round, he is pretty much just a squid when it comes to coaching at this point. So he he has no control over that locker room. But this is Ime's real first test, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how he can get his team to really go under him and really buy into that. And and I think that if Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Rob Will really buy into uh, Ime Odoka's ways – I think we're going to be a lot less inconsistent. I think we're going to see a little bit more consistency out of this team. Um, and, and we're going to be a lot better as a team all around. I just really don't think we've actually fully bought in to the way that he coaches. And, and it's kind of stupid, right? Because we're in the Eastern Conference Finals. But that's just the way that I see it. Yeah, I'm, I think yeah. that's a good um, point to move on to the Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals. As you see, if I'm looking back and forth, I got my TV on. Uh, the Warriors are up at 18 right now on the Mavs in game one. Um, let's just start off with our predictions for this series. Wholeheartedly, um, it's hard for me to kind of go against my original prediction of the Mavs because I have I have receipts of me saying Mavs are going to make it out of the West. So I guess I have to stick with that prediction. And um, I'm going to go Mavs in seven. 
But I also want to be on the record and say that I'm it's hard to say that. I'm just saying that because of my original prediction. The Warriors, uh, just looking at this, like they're unbelievable. Like they're so hot. Mm-hmm. They can just flip a switch and be up 40 like that. So this is going to be a great series, in my opinion. I'm really excited to see this matchup between Luca and Steph. And it just, Luca dominated the Suns. Did you guys see yes. that? Yes, yeah. he did. Where it he was outscored D book, he out rebounded DeAndre Ayton. And he had more assists than Chris Paul in that entire series. I mean, not only that, but we haven't even talked about the end of that series. And we didn't talk about the end of the Bucks series, but, like, it was so long ago. I just want to say one little thing about it. That was one of the biggest, like, folds I've ever seen in, in my life. Like, that's the number one seed in the whole National Basketball Association. Devin Booker had such a bad game seven, and Chris Paul honestly had such a bad games five and six. DeAndre Ayton, the whole series, in my opinion, and I was texting it to you guys literally like the whole time. DeAndre Ayton should have been averaging 25 and 12 that whole series. You're going up against Dwight Powell, you're going up against Maxi Kleber, and you're DeAndre Ayton, a guy who's um, supposed to be an all star, supposed to be a max contract player. And you do that against a team like that, because that's a series where it's like DeAndre Aiden is supposed to take over because he clearly has the advantages. And that didn't happen. That's embarrassing on his part. And it's honestly embarrassing on Chris Paul's part, because Chris Paul to DeAndre Aiden was supposed to be the duo that was going to just absolutely run through the Mavs. And that didn't happen. And now we see the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals um, and, and going up against such a difficult Warriors team. And. I mean, I'm watching this game right now, and Steph Curry's getting hot, and that's probably the last thing you want to see happen in, in a game one because once Steph Curry finds something, finds a spark, he's going to continue it on for the whole series. I'm going to go the Warriors. I'm going to go the Warriors in seven. I think Luka's going to have a couple of those games where everybody on Twitter starts tweeting and all Instagram accounts are like, is Luka the best player in the NBA? And then I think they're going to lose this one in seven. I, I, I think this is going to be a great series. Excuse me. And I did want to say, stop. You were on record for saying Dallas is going to make it out of the West. Me, I'm on record for saying that Dallas was going to beat the Jazz in the first round and then get killed by the Suns in the second round. And they were in need of a blow up. Um, And the only thing that, in my opinion, the only thing that stopped that from happening was Luka Doncic. I knew Luka Doncic was legit. But when you look at the players that, like, are on his team, like, who else was starting tonight? It was Jalen Bronson, who I like a lot, actually. Reggie Bullock. Reggie that Bullock? sucks. Okay, I'm interrupting you. Reggie Bullock is awful. Um, Will He's and I terrible. were watching that. Yeah, Will and I were watching that Game 7 together, and randomly the, the we just look at the TV in the – um, Mavericks were up by like 50 and we we're like what the hell and we were thinking about live betting um, the Suns plus 30 but we didn't, we didn't. <laughs> but um, Reggie Bullock miss, misses every single shot he takes that guy is awful, He's awful. I think like, me and Stiles and that's why I on thought record that... that day for saying that's the last person I ever would want to touch the basketball like imagine just being Luca and then making an insane spin move to the basket and then someone cuts the lane makes a pass around the back and it goes to Reggie Bullock for three and it's literally an air ball like he's literally a highlight ruiner like he like there's nothing else you're gonna get from him than just a ruined highlight 
we're an anti-Reggie I mean, Bullock pod, by the way. Like, hundred percent, hundred percent. If he if he were to ask us to come on the pod, I think uh, we would say, <laughs> like, and like it's not only that. Like, like I said, I love Jalen Brunson. We hate Reggie Bullock, but like the other starters on this team were Dwight Powell and Dorian Finney-Smith. So, like, you have to see where I'm coming from here, right? This is the Luka Powell, Doncic like show. It, it, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> shut up, Willie. He's terrible. What, where did he win a championship? The Raptors. He was on the Raptors? Dorian Finney-Smith oh, was on the oh, Raptors? I thought Dwight Powell. Oh, no, no Dwight Powell, Powell, I thought you said. That was my bad. Wrong Powell. Norman Powell. Like, 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 well, Norman Powell's like a shooting guard. Yeah, no, I, shut up. <laughs> oh, oh, my fault, my fault. Yeah, uh, I corrected like, myself, I corrected myself, I didn't need to do it again. But like, okay, all right, I'm sorry. Um, Going back to the Mavs, though, like, this team stinks. Like, it's really just Luka Doncic, and that's the reason why the Warriors are currently up 20 in the third quarter, and, like, everybody on that team is bugging out because it's so easy to find the holes in that defense of the team. The Mavericks are the slowest-paced team in the NBA, and the Warriors are a top two. Spencer Dinwiddie's awesome. I've always loved Spencer Dinwiddie on the Nets, on uh, on the Mavs as well, on the Wizards. He was awesome as well. Spencer Dinwiddie is awesome, and he, in my opinion, he's their third best player behind Luca, obviously, and behind Jalen Brunson. Um, that's the reason why they're getting blown out, right? Because it's Luka Doncic and Luka Doncic only. The Suns were just too stupid to actually let him take over, and the Warriors are doing a fantastic job. But when it goes back to um. Dallas, they're they're bound to find a little rhythm from their role players, and they're bound to win a couple of games. That's why I'm going to take um the Warriors in seven, my final pick, because it's the Western Conference Finals. It has to go seven games. Um, I'm going to go – so, one, I'm stuck in stops position here because I was also on record, I think, when we did our NBA Finals prediction for saying the Mavs were going to make it out of the West. Um, but I, I went against that completely after just – it's the Warriors. The Warriors are the hottest team right now in the West, maybe even in the playoffs. Um, so I'm going to go Warriors in six. Luka's going to have two of those games where he drops like 40-something points, possibly a triple-double. And then everyone's going to talk about it, like Griff said. And then they're going to be like, oh, are the Mavs really legit? Are they going to come back and win this series? No, they're not going to. They're going to win two games. The Warriors are going to win four. The series is going to end in six. Warriors will be in the finals. That's it. So another thing that I kind of wanted to mention as well, the Mavs, I, I think Jason Kidd isn't getting a lot of credit that he deserves for how well he's been coaching this team. Um, this is basically the same team as last season, just with an addition of Spencer Dinwiddie. And Jason Kidd is one of the the differences from last year. And this team's in the Western Conference Finals now. I mean, there was that one clip of him mic'd up, just coaching everything to perfection against the Suns in that Game 7, setting perfect traps, creating a turnover, and getting shots. Like, Jason Kidd isn't usually looked at as a great coach in the NBA, but I think in the future he has a coach of the year. Maybe next year, especially if the Mavs can get, like, a first or a second seed, um, he, he should win that coach of the year. When it comes to coaching... Me personally, 
it is very difficult to win me over as an NBA coach um, because, like, it's just so hard to gain a locker room's trust. And, and Jason Kidd has done an excellent job there. And I, I don't think he did that great of a job in Milwaukee. A lot of people said he did pretty good. I, I don't agree with it. Um, but but this is one of the best coaching jobs we've seen in a while when it comes to postseason performance. And, it, and it's just straight up the belief that the team has in the coach. And, and I know, I mean, we've been talking about coaches for pretty much all of these teams. And, and Jason Kidd's a guy that, like, Oh, he's been down like a very dark road after his playing career. Like he's been in trouble with um, a lot of different things. Like I know, remember he got a DUI, like all that stuff. Um, but but when it comes to coaching, he was kind of looked at as a joke for a while. And that's the way that Steve Nash is being looked at right now. But you have to think about the amount of experience this guy has, right? When it comes to playing in the NBA, being an all-star, he, he's on the NBA 75 list. He's one of the in many people's opinions, he's one of the top 75 players on planet Earth, right? So he has to have some coaching in him, and he's really bringing it out, and he's been doing a great job this whole postseason. The matchups on defense have been amazing. The tough thing is, though, like I said, with this team, when you go up against a team like the Warriors, Andrew Wiggins had 12 points in the first quarter, and now they were pretty much all on Luka. And then Jordan Poole comes out here. I, Jordan Poole had the ball three straight possessions. They called the travel on the first one, which he did travel. They called call travel on the second one. He got a scoop layup, and he did travel again. He's been traveling, like, the whole thing, like, the whole – every time he gets the ball, he travels. And, and they don't call it, so it's kind of hard to judge that. But they don't have any matchups for Steph. They don't have any matchups for Jordan Poole. Overcompensate for the for the Curry for for Poole. That's when Clay Thompson takes over. I just think that it's so difficult to stop this Warriors team if you're not like a all defensive first team lineup. You know. Well, there's no matchup for Curry to begin with, if we're going to be honest here. Right. Like you're you're looking at the other four guys on the court, and you're like, all right, how can we limit them as much as possible? And hopefully, Curry just doesn't get like super on fire than normal. <laughs> like hopefully, he doesn't go for forty or fifty and just drop like ten threes on you and call it a day. Like you have to just hope. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be hard for the Mavs to do it, but. I feel like they have the best player in the series. That might seem like a hot take, but right now I think Luka Doncic at the moment. Yes, yes, not all time mm-hmm. obviously, but like at, oh, in the sick. moment right now, I'll take Luka Doncic to start my team over anybody else basically in the league. And Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Luca's just one of those guys who, if he's hitting his shots, then the Mavericks just seem like the best team in the NBA. Because and once he... he's hitting his shots, his playmaking opens up, then other guys hit their shots besides Reggie Bullock, and it just turns into like this absolute like great show like we saw in Game 7. So don't let Luca get hot. That's all I got to say. You're the warrior. And, and he, he was the only reason why it was even like an interesting game in the first quarter. He kept it pretty close, right? And then when he came in and did his thing as well. And he's been beat up already in this game. It, I don't know if you guys have been watching since the start. Something happened to his shoulder. He's been grabbing his shoulder. He literally has a scratch down his eye from Andrew Wiggins which was crazy he didn't call for a foul on that and, and that's the thing like Luca is gonna get beat up this whole series that's their main focus if Spencer Dinwiddie wants to drop 25 so be it I don't think the Warriors could like couldn't care less and Jalen Brunson honestly since round one hasn't been doing really like anything special so when it comes to defending this Mavericks team and you're the Warriors in my opinion it, it's kind of easy I, I think it's easy to defend them. It, it's just when Luca finds his way out of a double team and starts just throwing up threes and they just all magically go in. That that's when it starts to get dangerous. But if you can if you can contain him to under 30 points, I'm not really that worried. But I, I think it's gonna be pretty difficult to to hold him under 30. I agree. I mean, I I don't think this is a favorable series for the Mavericks. Uh, a lot has to go right for them. And like we always say, I feel like we say this every episode, um, if you play bad and lose and you have things that you can work on, you should be in a good spot. The Mavericks are getting their teeth kicked in right now. And it's not, it's like, I'm looking at this and I'm like trying to figure out what can go right for them. And the only thing that, yeah, can like, go right how could they? Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, Luke is having a pretty bad it, game. But by a bad game, he yeah. it's not controllable because he's just getting insane pressure full court. Well, he's all getting, time. he's getting like it, it's Wiggins and Draymond Green playing defense on him, and, and Andrew Wiggins, who's like six eight six nine, very athletic, a very good defensive player, very underrated defensive player, and then you throw in a former two time defensive player of the year in Draymond Green, you're you're gonna be in for a difficult run if you're Luca. When when the doubles get sent, it really depends on who is going to be open, right? When it comes to the Mavericks, they actually have very good three-point shooters all around from one to five, except for Reggie Bullock. He stinks. Yeah, but yeah. but Maxi Kleber, like, he's their five at times, and, and they'll have lineups where it's Brunson, Luka, and they have Dorian Finney-Smith who who can shoot. And, and then, I mean, who who else would be out there? Powell can shoot a little bit. They have guards on the bench that can shoot. Reggie Bullock, once again, cannot shoot. Maybe one of the worst Absolutely. players in the league. Just, a, just an absolute loser in general. Um, maybe if they get him off the court. Maybe if they get him off the court, like that would be cool. Um, but, but when these doubles get sent, it's about making threes. And if they can do that, then maybe it'll be interesting. They're, they're just really having a half night game one. And that's what happens when you go away game one. In the conference finals, I, I I've never believed that game one at 
are game one away, I don't care how bad the loss is. I'm honestly expecting to lose. And, and I know it sounds weird. Game two is really where it's at. Game two is where you find yourself um, in a tough hole. Obviously, you lost game one. You're still away. That's really where you see what the team is made out of it. And, and that goes for both the Mavericks and the Celtics, in my opinion. Okay, this is a, a random side note. But can you guys list the five highest paid players in the NBA? Steph? Yep. LeBron? He's five. Um, KD? He's six. Oh. Um. You want me to tell you this? This is hilarious. I feel like wait, I feel wait, like wait. I want to gonna... throw some names. I want to throw some names in there. Um, yeah. Kawhi. No. PG. No. He has. He gets a bag. Oh. There's definitely someone there. That Did gets DeAndre even sign the deal last year? Or did he no. not? No, he's a free agent this summer. Um. Okay, I'll say one more name. Um. Giannis. No. Oh my god. Are you I ready for the highest yeah. the five highest paid players in the NBA? In order. Number 1, Steph Curry, who makes 48.1 okay. million dollars a year. Number 2, about my <laughs> James Harden at 47.4. Mm-hmm, Number 3, mm-hmm. this one's crazy. John Wall at 47.4 million oh. a year. Oh. Yes, I actually knew that. And number five. No, I'm sorry. Number four, Russell Westbrook. Four. 47.1. Oh, Russell Westbrook? That's your basketball player. And then That's five and six, crazy. LeBron and KD at 44 million. Wow. I knew John Wall got a bag. I totally forgot because he just doesn't That's, play. That's how I was going to say Harden. Ball. But I forgot, like he signed the contract. Like I forgot he signed for a bag. Like he was still on that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna be we're, un- we're, un- we're gonna be an unbiased podcast right here. How come Ben Simmons okay. gets all this hate for not playing, but John Wall's a third highest paid end player in the NBA, and he's not playing, and no one says the word. John Wall. He's on the Rockets. Yeah, but still, like John Wall is certified, though. We have to give him that. Yeah, he's no, I, I, you know, I, I know you said I'm biased, but John Wall is actually one of my favorite players, like of yeah. all time. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, no, John Wall. No, he's, he's dope. <laughs> like I love John Wall. John Wall was sick on the Wizards. Like but... Will, Will can attest to this. I had this John Wall, like rookie when he was a rookie when they wore the turquoise teal Wizards unis. I got one of those in second grade. Will I? I think John I wore Wall's that. Me and Will went to. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the Zigs, the John Wall Zigs. Yeah. Will Will in elementary school, me and Will went to elementary school together. I think I wore that jersey about two to three times a week. Yeah, that jersey was a common occurrence. That and um didn't you have an A oh, didn't you have an AP jersey too that you wore? Yeah, all the time. I had like four AP jerseys. Yeah. And then, big AP guy. Yeah. This was pre sun no, John. Um all right. Yeah, no, John Wall certified. He deserves all the money he gets. Remember when he tore his ACL because he was trying on high heels and he fell? And he fell what? down the spiral staircase? That's that was like the crazy. end of his career. That, that was actually the downfall of his career. 
I know it literally was. Oh, there's some and bad. Then, and then and then and then three months later, he was on ESPN playing spades and wasn't paying attention to the interview. That was like during the bubble. Yes. yes he, they were yes. asking him to talk about the bubble, and he was playing spades with like his boys at his house, and like they had a cut. Like literally, his camera like was just like him. Like they they just had to, like. like like, like they this. couldn't show everything else. They sh- they couldn't show the table. They couldn't show where he was in his house either. And it was just John Wall. And then there was like mad people walking around in the back too. Well, but that, wasn't that even injury at the was camera. top two. That injury was top two. I think it's number two. Number one was when the the Celtics. I think it was like 2013, and Rajon Rondo broke his wrist because he was jumping on a trampoline that that's the top two tied amari stoudemire punching oh he slipped in the shower i thought rajon rondo slipped in the shower who who was on it who broke their arm on a trampoline i think it might have been rondo too i think rondo would have done both that was up there what about blake griffin punching um a bench like in the game he got (laughs) subbed out punched a bench and broke his wrist those are some bad ones, um, but I don't know why we're talking about yeah. injuries. Rondo broke a bone, a bone in his hand after slipping in the shower. And that was like getting ready for the playoffs, wasn't it? No, it was the – was it? It, it might have been. Like no, no. he tore his ACL that last year with Pearson and company. Like – that 2013 year when they lost in the first round of the Knicks, he ha- he was out that year with a torn ACL. He was coming back and then slipped in the shower and broke his hand. And then he came back and then they ended up trading him. Okay, so um okay, you know what it was, Stop. I'm looking at uh, NBC Sports right now, and um it was a rumor that he didn't actually slip in the shower. It was a rumor that he was at a trampoline park a few days before he broke his hand. So people thought that that's where it was from. But the, here's literally a quote. Who is this quote from? I don't know. Oh, from a, a profile that someone from Sports Illustrated did. Rondo takes five showers on game days. The last one precisely 45 minutes before tip-off because he does his best to get in the water. He jumps out to scribble ideas, which can present problems since he is a germaphobe who hates being barefoot. Same. He keeps three or four pairs of shower shoes in his locker. I mean, like, I don't like being barefoot either, to be honest, but, like, five showers a day is crazy. Yeah, no wonder he slipped. Like, he precisely jumped out of the shower. Like, like all I can picture is he just pulling the curtain, just hopping out. <laughs> and then just, like, I like how it was included that he was a germaphobe. So like he doesn't like getting like out of the shower, but he does write down videos. Like did the interviewer just like walk by? Oh, and Rondo just jumped at him. Like we need to um yeah, someone from ESPN. We need to when the NBA is all over and we only have baseball to talk about over the summer. We need to steal part of my takes, uh, Mount Rushmore, and do like one Mount Rushmore every week, where it's like Mount Rushmore of injuries, Mount Rushmore, just like stuff like that. I think <laughs> that's funny. Just like right now, yeah, no. Last quote, last quote from ESPN. Celtics brass aware Rondo went to trampoline park on Tuesday for his daughter's B-Day party. Ainge and company still believe it was the shower that broke his hand. <laughs> That's a crazy quote. Now, he's lucky 
that social media wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Oh, it was, you would have been. Remember, do you guys remember the rumors? You would have been done for taking five showers before game day. Yeah, that too. But you remember Dwight Howard rumors when he like broke his tailbone? He slipped in the shower as well. I but, oh oh, there were some weird rumors oh, from yeah, that. Yeah, there were some crazy rumors about Dwight. Buddy loves snakes. Yeah, but I think we should get off of this little injury segment and talk about. The red hot Red Sox, huh? They won their second oh, yeah. row. I mean, on the night on the night of this recording, Nick Pavetta completed. He went nine Complete innings game. and had two hits. Like, yeah, what? Like his last. I'm gonna count that. I watched this game. I watched this game from start to finish. Started at six ten. Perfect time for me today. First at bat. Three two count on um who's the short guy that cheats a lot? Oh, Altuve. Altuve. He it's a absolute bomb, and I'm like, all right, here we go. This is like a repeat of what happened yesterday. And, and then next thing I know, he strikes or he doesn't strike out, but he doesn't let anyone on base for like the next 17 batters. Then someone hits a ground rule double. After that, he goes up, finishes um the seventh, finishes the eighth. When he finished the eighth, he had, I mean, the most energy in the world. He was pumping. He was staying around his mile per hour mark, and, and he ran straight into the clubhouse. Not not even the dugout. Straight into the clubhouse. I swear it was to get, like, icy hot or something because he wanted to finish this game so badly. Cora went to go shake his hand after the eighth, and he looked at Cora, and he was like, he, he didn't shake his hand. My guess is, like, he said, I'm not shaking your hand until I finish this game. Like that is electric and Pavetta, who I've been absolutely ripping the whole season. His last three outings have been very impressive. And I'm very happy, especially with this five, one victory that we took on Wednesday and a series win against the Houston Astros. And boys, not only has he had a really solid last three, I mean, an excellent, I want to say Nick Pavetta terms, those last three outings are excellent. Um, he did them against pretty good offenses. Like, the White Sox are a very good team. The Rangers have a good offense. And the Houston Astros are the Houston Astros. He went nine innings. And he had eight strikeouts. I mean, against the White Sox in six innings, he had eight strikeouts. Against the Rangers in seven innings, he had four. And then against the Astros today, went full game, two hits allowed, one run, eight Ks. He's only allowed two runs in his last three outings. And more impressively, he's only allowed one walk in those last three outings. So his controls there, yeah, that's he's awesome. getting his strikeouts, and he's going deep into ball games. That's a perfect recipe for this Red Sox team whose bullpen blows. He, he's the key to pretty oh, much Lindstrom. Our, our future success right now, coming up three straight solid starts, having the best start, I think, out of any Red Sox starter this year com- going for a complete game and only allowing two hits. I mean, we're in for... I think this is this is the turning point. I feel like we're we're just we're making that point there. There's a there's a lot to improve on, but it definitely is a lot less scarier than it was. I want to say like two weeks ago. Well, hundred percent. I mean, winning two series in a row, and it's not something that we should see as a big thing. But this is this should be a turning point here. And Nick Pavetta, who, I mean, when he's on, he's on. His his curveball is awesome. 
to watch when he's feeling it. And he had a great slider today. And you mix that up with his um, four-seamer. And I think he might have a sinker as well. Um, He's very impressive when he's on. And it's just his curveball. Like, the curveball is the number one thing that I think about at all times because it's it's kind of unhittable. He'll throw it in the zone. He'll throw it low. Um, he'll, he'll throw it right in the dirt, and no matter what, they are swinging and they are missing. It, it, it is a sight to see when he is on, and we saw it today. And I want to say he had 105 pitches. No, he yeah. definitely had more than that because after eight, he was at 102. So he had to have had more than that. Are you sure? He was over 100 going into the ninth. He might have finished so not 115. Um, shoot. Check that. I'll check that right now. I'll check that right now. Yeah. Um, but just kind of I mean the Red Sox winning two series in a row is awesome. And um okay, I don't want to restart my computer. Nice notification. But they're trending in the right direction. I mean, we're still 15 and 22. There's a lot of room to improve, but guys like Trevor Story are kind of stepping up. I mean, he has two home runs. He had a big home run against uh the other night. I think it was Monday night. When there Monday. was that rain delay, mm-hmm. yeah, the rain delay was Monday. Yeah, today's Wednesday. Um, he had that big home run and tie the game after the rain delay, and then Bogarts had an absolute nuke. I mean, Rafi Devers yeah. leads the league in hits. Um, Franchi Cordero's doing his thing. Like, I, I Franchi Cordero is a really solid player in this lineup right now, and Vasquez is actually kind of hot right now too. Verdugo needs to step up first of all. I, I, that's. Yes, a little thorn in the side right now because Verdugo started off the season awesome, like we've said before, and he's he's kind of struggling right now. I think he kind of needs a little wake up call because Jaron Duran's. Yeah, I think he had three ground outs today. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, he had a good play in left. He jumped up and made a catch on the on the monster. Yeah, but, right on the monster. That was a good play. But um, I'll give him that. Duran's knocking like him and JBJ. Their jobs aren't really safe. Because not only is Duran knocking, you still got guys like Ryan Fitzgerald who are in AAA who are ready to get the call up. So, yeah. right. It, 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 not only that stuff, but say with Bobby, I mean, something happens and like God answers his prayers. <laughs> he starts to have some form of production. Franchi Cordero could play in the outfield. We literally saw it today. He played right field um, in place of JBJ. And, and he's a quality outfielder in my opinion he's not an everyday guy in a sense but he's someone that can go in there and when someone needs an off day he'll go play right he'll play left um stick bobby at first but like there is a lot of options in the outfield for this uh ball club for this whole organization in terms of the farm system as well like you said with duran with fitzgerald and they have one more guy too i forget his name but he's pretty impressive um there's a lot of options there that's why when it comes to looking at Second shortstop and third. I'm so happy we have our guys. I'm praying to God we keep them. Um, but in terms of looking at outfielders, there's some big news out of the MLB. And that's the fact that Juan Soto could be possibly traded. Juan Soto, one of the young rising stars, um, World Series champion, bubble in the bubble. Um, but but like to be serious, Juan Soto is one of the best players in the league right now he's a very young target to go after um and in my opinion the red sox should be in the sweepstakes so stop i'll pass it to you 
what do you think Juan Soto would go for in terms of the Red Sox getting him? I think they would. the Nationals would probably want a top few prospects. I mean, Juan Soto technically is the best prospect in baseball. He's the youngest, and he's one of the best. He's probably like the top, one of the top three best young players. You know what I mean? And like when you think of the, the young, when you think of the young crew, you think Tatis Soto, and Tatis Soto. Um, um, oh you throw in uh, Vladdy. You could yeah, even Vladdy. say Rafi, who's twenty four. Yeah. So it's like, I I think Juan Soto fits in perfectly in right field. Um, that's a spot that the Red Sox are looking to fill. And I really wouldn't mind giving away some of the younger pieces that Juan Soto would technically take their place in the call-up scheme. Like, you give up a guy like Jaron Duran, Jeter Downs. Um, you'd probably have to give up, like, a guy like Nick York. You Just a lot of these pieces, you know, that overall the grand scheme of things. But the thing with Heim Bloom is he hates trading away prospects. You know, he... He won't trade away these prospects. He just likes to obtain prospects. So I feel like in the worst possible way, do MLB team, is the MLB, do they do three-team trades? If I don't they, think so. I've never, I've Bloom I've never seen out a way to do a three-team trade just to get the prospects of the other team that's getting Juan Soto. So it's not even <laughs> like, I, I feel like, We'll get that notification like we always do. The Red Sox are in the market for Juan Soto, and then he'll end up going to the Mets or something like that. We're really only in the market for Juan Soto because we're so down bad for right field. Like, we really need an outfielder. We are trying to call people up. We're not doing anything. It seems like we're helpless on a call-up scale. And honestly, like, I want to think positively, and I want to hope that – will make a trade for Juan, for Juan Soto. But I feel like knowing the disgusting offers that Bloom has made for Xander and Rafi is nerve-wracking. That Like, we can't sign them. I can't even imagine what we would offer to the Nationals. Like, I feel like we would just, like, so underball that trade. It wouldn't even be funny. But I agree we need to probably give away the likes of Jaron Duran, Jeter Downs, possibly another one to two prospects. And then depending on if we sign Xander back, I feel like he might even be involved into a trade. If we can't sign him back, there's no use of keeping him. And I don't want that to happen. I feel like we might end up being able to come to a contract agreement with Xander, which I hope. But as of right now, I feel like you have to look at that as an option. Yeah, so, I mean, I got first word of this on the golf course today with you, Will. You were the one that uh, broke that to me, and I gave you a package right away, didn't I? And, and you this gave is exactly me, yeah, you literally gave me what we what we all just said, which was... Yeah, exactly, which is Xander, straight up. That was the first name that I said, Xander, and then I said Duran, who I would be happy to throw away. I know he's doing great in the minors. I just really don't think he has what it takes to pull it together. I don't know. This is a personal hunch. Um, and Jeter Downs. And and when it comes to those two names, Jeter Downs is someone who I think could be a great defensive shortstop in the league in a few years. But if you're looking at our team, we have Trevor Story, who can play obviously shortstop. He has done so his whole career. And I already included Xander in this package, but say he's not in the package. We have Xander at short. And then once it's time for either Story or Xander to go, Marcelo Mayer. 
Jeter Downs just is on this team at the wrong time. And I think the Nationals could take advantage of that. Um, and then in terms of what we would get back, if we include one or two more prospects, including maybe a York, um, definitely not a Casas, but maybe like a catcher of some sort, like a Wong, um, I would expect back a couple of pitching prospects, which is something I think that we need very desperately. I'm not expecting a package to go down with any team, not just the Red Sox, that just has Juan Soto. I think it's going to be Juan Soto in a little bit of a package in terms of a farm system or people from the farm. And this is going to be one of the bigger trades we've ever seen because he's such a young, talented guy. Well, I feel like it's more than likely that Juan Soto goes to a team by himself without prospects, given the way the Nationals have acquired and made moves in the past. They have done nothing but give away and really receive young prosperous players which is what they want they want to rebuild they want to do what they can and i feel like the trade rumors are happening because they feel like they're going to waste Swanso's career at this point because you think about their prospect call-up rate i think like five years they'll probably be decent Juan soto will be 27 and they'll need to sign i think they need to sign him soon i think he, he i think there was a rumor right before the lockout that he was supposed to receive a deal upwards of like 400 mil. See, here's the thing that optimism, like as a, as a Red Sox fan, I want Juan Soto. I think that would be awesome. I'll be the first in line to buy his jersey. But if, if something's holding we me back in, <laughs> in thinking <laughs> that, like, Heim Bloom won't do this just because he hates paying people. Like, I hate Heim Bloom. Yeah, he sucks. Like, can we just run the team? Like, like, I don't understand don't why they have to hire like, too much. Like, we've said some, like, very intelligent things in terms of the Red Sox. And I know I was just talking, like, a lot of smack about Xander. But if I'm the GM, Xander and Rafi are signed. And I signed, I literally gave them the city of Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. I, I, you look at last year, and you look at how much they did for us, and then you just, just lowball them. Like, how can you how even do that as a human now, being? Jesus. Like, literally the only reason, also Kike, but, like, on if Xander or Devers were not there, we aren't even an organization. We're not even a team. There's nothing to root for. Like, we're out there out of pure enjoyment for baseball at that point, not even, like, we're going to win a game. Like, we're literally like, all right, well, I mean, we got some prospects. Like, we literally look this, like, low-tier team. Like, right now we're not even great, but, like, we're hopefully going to be better. But, like, right. you look at that, and it's mind-blowing. Like, I like I don't understand anything. It's such a frustrating conversation to have. And I'm, like, I'm still very sour about Mookie Betts, how that didn't work out and how Heim didn't pay him. Because Mookie Betts, literally, we need a right fielder. Mookie can play right field. Like, oh, he's so good with Mook right imagine now. Imagine this lineup right now with Mookie Betts. But like, we can't imagine that. That's just going to bring up pain. But um, Soto fits in perfectly. I mean, it's literally a dream fit. I just don't see how we can pay him. Or how we will pay him because our GM is a cheap we won't we won't pay him if yeah, we get but him, like the thing is like looking at Xander him. looking at Xander like I don't know if you guys saw this but last week he reopened up his negotiation yeah how like he 
Because remember, originally we gave him the last deal. He laughed at it and was like, "Don't, don't negotiate anything with me during the season." Last week, I mean, we started winning a couple more games, and, and he opens it back up. He's he was like, "If they were to send something over to my agent and it seems interesting, um, then I would be happy to hear it right now." Like he wants to be in Boston. He's one of the best shortstops in the league, and he's honestly like. I know, I know it's Rafi, but like if you think about Xander, he's a guy that like we have had the perfect time frame to watch him come literally from the minors and succeed to the level he is here. This would be one of the biggest losses, like not just for the Red Sox, but if you think about people our age, like this is someone that like grew up in the time frame, grew up in his professional career as we grew up as fans of the Red Sox. Like this would be a big hit. Not just for the Red Sox, this would be a gigantic hit for us. Yeah, like that's a great point. Xander's the unofficial captain of the Red Sox. Like, yes, Griff, I, I think you said it perfectly. Like, Xander and Rafi are two guys who you give them a checkbook and tell them to write down a number. Like, we're seeing far worse players getting a bag in the MLB right now. And if the Red Sox don't sign Xander Bogarts, he already has his rings. He he's won his rings the right way. So who's to say that he's not going to go either play for a bad team and get an absolute bag or go try and win like with his, with like on a team that needs a shortstop like the Yankees or like the Astros. So it's like, there are great teams who have a lot of money who need a shortstop that will pay Xander Bogarts, whatever he wants and whatever he deserves. So the Red Sox, not only need to re-sign Xander Bogarts for the fact that Xander Bogarts is your captain, he's been here for 10 years and is producing, he's batting over 320, I think, but the fact that he's going to go to a competitor and win another championship. So that's another major hit on your organization because first you lose Mookie Betts, and the year that you lose Mookie Betts, that he go leads the, uh, the Dodgers to win a championship. But now with Xander, you can't have that happen again because – that's just a huge hit on the Red Sox organization as a whole. And who knows if they don't sign Rafi Devers, he will get a bag somewhere and he will be the best player on that team. It'll be the best player. I like, I actually really do believe that Devers in three to four years, is going to be a top three player in the MLB. And I just really, really hope that he is still calling Fenway park home by then. If not, if not, that's one of the worst decisions um, top three, in my opinion, that the Boston Red Sox will ever make. And I, I like, obviously, there's Babe Ruth, right? Like, Babe Ruth is probably. We'll, we'll actually one. be cursed again. I'm serious. We'll actually be no, cursed again. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Devers is, what, 24 years old? Oh, and, he, and he's producing at this rate. Like, are you kidding me? If you, how, how is he not signed right now? It just doesn't make sense. And, and Heim Bloom has been here for three years. And I think it's been three of the worst years GM wise that the Red Sox have ever seen ever. I'm very upset and I love the Red Sox. I love the whole organization. And, and honestly, I think Heim Bloom isn't even that bad of a GM, but I've said this before on the podcast, and this is honestly all I have for the rest of the episode. Every other GM in Red Sox history has won a world series in their first three years being the GM other than Heim Bloom. So that's where I'll leave it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good ending point. And also, speaking of Mookie Betts, they just dropped a Red Sox Mookie Betts card in MLB The Show, 95 overall. Um, yeah. I might go check that out. But I might, might have to spend a lot of money on packs. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Actually, that builds me right now. Um, yeah, I, I, but, zero bills. I, but, I think that's going to wrap up the episode, right? Yeah. I'll yeah. throw it to Will. Right, well, then, oh, wait. Nope. Never mind. I was going <laughs> to. Will, do you want to take us away? I was going to throw it I to mean, Will. Why not? You. Oh. I mean, I've, I mean, I've I done like the it. past 127 I mean, I can, episodes. I can like throw it to you if you really want. Like, I can say my quick little thing and then. You can I mean, like you could throw it to me, but I might it. just throw it right back. But, you, you, all right, you know, I'll take it. Um, well, we hope you guys enjoyed. We're on a little summer schedule, so we will catch you guys a week from today. We're doing one a week. Totally forgot to say that on the first uh, intro, but uh, if you guys are following the Instagram, you guys will see that. I'm going to be posting that tomorrow, the new schedule. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed. We will see you guys next week, and peace. Peace. Miles Bridges is the best NBA rapper in the league.